Can someone read the title of the message this morning from your bulletin? What is it? Yeah, right? Don't stop. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. So I'm on my way from, from home to work this morning. And again, I'm on my holy road of 109th between Radisson and uh, Lexington. And I'm listening to, uh, was it KTIS 98.5, the Christian channel from Northwest? Yep. So I'm listening to some of the music, and they're playing Christmas music, Ignazium. Has anyone listened to it? And it's just over and over. And every once in a while, you get a different song in there. You know, shake things up. And so um, growing up in, in, my, in the church I grew up in, it was a time when Michael W. Smith, you all know who Michael W. Smith is? He was like on his A game. He was bringing it, right? And so we were a small church, so when we heard something good, we had to play it till you didn't like it anymore. Anyone ever have that experience? And so we had like Matt Redman and Michael W. Smith on just rotate. And I got sick of hearing Michael W. Smith. I like him. I appreciate him. He's great. But when you hear it over and over, it's kind of like, oh, no more Michael W. Smith. So I'm on, this, I'm on the road. I'm listening to uh, KTIS. And a song comes on. I'm listening to words. I'm like, this is good. I'm like, who is this? And here's my unexpected thing. And I'm like, man, this is, wow, this is actually has to do with the message. It's, whoa. And I'm like sitting there worshiping. And then I, the song ends, and I hear the uh, DJ go, and what a wonderful new song by Michael W. Smith. <laughs> and I sat there, and I had this little voice recorder on my phone. Does anyone use that ever? And I sit there, and I go, my unexpected thing of the week. I actually like a Michael W. Smith song. This shows me that can, God can breathe new life into anything. Amen? So I thought, this is going to be a good morning. You know it is when I like a Michael W. Smith song. So, here last week, we talked about Mary. We, we talked about her circumstances. We talked about the unexpected things in her life. And uh, the first week of the series, we talked about Zechariah. And we talked about his encounter with the angel Gabriel in the temple. And you remember what happened there, yes? Okay, he, uh, Gabriel said that his wife was going to be with child, and they are elderly, and he says, what? How can I know this will happen? So, you know, questioning whether God's going to do what he said he's going to do, right? Mary says, when, when Gabriel says to her, hey, you're going to be with child, and you're a virgin, <laughs> you know, she's like, well, how can that be? Now, those seem like two similar questions of doubt, right? But they're significantly different because Zechariah was questioning something that God said he was going to do, and here you have something that's biologically impossible, and she's not doubting whether it will happen. She's asking, how is it going to happen? Or Zechariah was doubting if it would happen. And as someone, a priest, as someone who knows the law, you would think he knows this has happened before, right? With Abraham and Sarah, okay? So we have that going on. Well, as we look today, as we look in verses 57 through 66 uh, in chapter 1 of Luke, if you have your Bibles, please open to chapter 1. If you have it on your iPad or your phone, get it out. You can also find the insert in your bulletin, but I would encourage you not to rely on the insert. Every week, bring your Bible. Is that good? Yeah, it's the Word of God. We want to know it. 
So Luke chapter 1, Mark uh, read this. And so we want to go through it here a little bit. And I'm going to start from 57 and we're just going to we're just going to stop and go here. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. Now let's stop there. Here we have a couple that never thought they were going to give birth. And in a culture where pride uh, and is, is taken of having a son, not having any children whatsoever, not a good thing, right? It's just socially speaking, it, it's usually did you do something wrong? Did you do something? Did you not obey all the laws? What did you do to deserve not having a kid? Now, when you're, you know, we don't know, quite know how old they were, but they are way past having babies. Okay, way past that. Would it be easy to be discouraged? Would it be easy to give up any hope or belief that you would ever have a child? Right? I don't think any of us, even those of us who call ourselves Christians, that carry the hope of the world inside our hearts, I think we would all have a hard time believing that could happen. Yeah? I mean, that's a challenging thing. And here in the first, first verse here, in 57, she gave birth to a son. This is huge news. Now, it's, it seems here in, in, in verse 58, her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy and they shared her joy almost sounding like they didn't know that um, Elizabeth was pregnant. Doesn't it kind of sound that way? We know that the first uh, four or five months of her pregnancy, she was in seclusion. And then she returns to her household, because that's where Mary finds her. But there's, there's thoughts that she may have been, you know, Zechariah kind of just put her away. You know, and she just, she just kept to herself. So not everyone knows about this, according to what the scriptures say. So they're celebrating with her. Now that creates intrigue, doesn't it? Imagine you have a 94-year-old neighbor and she all of a sudden gives birth and you didn't know about it. What would that do to you? Wouldn't you be curious? That'd pique your curiosity, wouldn't it? One, how'd you get pregnant? Two, how'd you survive the, the pregnancy? And all of that, right? I mean, those are, it's not to be funny, those are legitimate questions. And so now you have people that are intrigued. By what's going on. In verse 59, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. Now, if we look in Genesis 17, we see that circumcising your son on the eighth day is a command by God in acknowledgement of the covenant between God and Abraham. So, this is something that is ingrained in the culture. So, this is something that's expected. And if you're a son, you take your father's name. That's what you do. Was Zechariah given strict instructions on what to name his son? Yeah, what was he to name his son? John. That was going to be weird. Countercultural. See how God loves to mix this up? I mean, first he, he allows them to get pregnant. That mixes some things up, shakes it up a lot. Okay, And then no one really knows about it. That shakes it up. And now they're going to change his name according to what the expectation is. How many of you in your life have had something different than your expectation? Ah, get used to it. You're walking in Jesus. That's going to happen more and more as you get to know him better. 
So on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. They were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother spoke up. That's a big thing in this culture. Remember this. Spoke up and said, no, emphatically, no. Shouted it, no. He is to be named John. That was courageous. She spoke for Zechariah. Well, he couldn't speak at this time. But... She's the one that made that decision, it seemed like, right, to the people. No, he's going to be named John. Then they made signs. Verse 61. Oh, excuse me. Verse 61. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. So there's, the response is, this is, whoa, this is weird. What are you doing? Then they made signs to his father, Zechariah, to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Now, stop. Does anyone find this weird that he is, Gabriel shuts his mouth, right? He can't speak. Why would the people make signs to him? What? He must have been deaf too, but where do we see that? Where do we see that in the scriptures, that he's deaf? I mean, if, if, if he's not deaf, if he just can't speak, you would probably just talk to him, wouldn't you? <laughs> okay, but when we look in the Greek, okay, the word for mute is kophos. And that actually, in, the, in, in specific context, means deaf and mute. And based off this context and the evidence that we have, it's, it's more likely that Zechariah lost his hearing and his speech. So he couldn't hear what people were saying to him, and he couldn't speak anything. Now, that even makes more sense if you look at the context. If you look, if you look into the silence of Scripture, you can even see where you would ask questions. If Zechariah comes out of the temple, and he can't speak, and, and he's not hearing, you're sure he's going to get questions, right? People are going to bombard him. What happened? What happened? There would be temptation around. Now, not being able to speak or hear, that takes away a lot of your main communication, which makes sure that it almost protects him in a sense. Does that make sense? I mean, if you've got a job to do, if you've got to be faithful in something, and it's going to be challenging to do that, it's nice if God protects you. Yeah? I mean, I bet celebrities would love not to be able to hear anything and say, you know, right? Because they get in trouble when they respond, and then they hear all this bad stuff, and, and then they, it just gets worse for them. I mean, you see it all over media, don't you? Now, that's... That's just what I see in the scriptures. I see a guy who God protected, and it seemed like it was just a discipline, but it also seemed like it could be a form of protection. And gets him to this point, and he writes down, his name is John. Now, what you're going to see, a word you're going to see here in verse 64, uh, Mark, in the book of Mark, loves this word, immediately. Meaning when God moves, something immediately happens. Okay. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe. Now imagine you're a neighbor here. <laughs> you're getting a lot. You're getting information overload. Talk about expecting the unexpected, right? I mean, this was unexpected. Now they're looking at him. He's, here's a guy who couldn't speak, probably couldn't hear, and now he's praising the Lord. 
The neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all of these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be for the Lord's hand was with him? Now, as we, as we look at this phrase, you know, don't stop believing, don't stop having faith, whatever you want to call it. We see that Zechariah had a moment in the temple where he gave up believing. Didn't he? I mean, is that fair to say? And then through his, his time of not speaking, probably not hearing, you better believe he readjusted his posture towards God. Because when it came time, he believed at this point what God was doing. He believed. And he was able to say, as a man whose wife just spoke for him, which was a no-no, he indeed agreed with her and said, no, his name is John. Basically saying, that's what Gabriel told me. I want to be able to speak in here again, so I'm going to keep believing here. Right? So we see him believing. We see Elizabeth right off the bat. I mean, she's pregnant. She believes. She sees Mary, and John leaps, rejoices in her womb. She acknowledges that the baby that Mary is carrying is going to be the Messiah. There is belief there. Now, in the Jewish culture at this time, it was probably difficult to believe the Messiah was going to come. Maybe a, a fluttering hope, but it was probably challenging. And here he comes. Here he is. And in 67, verse 67 through 79, I'm just going to hop around here. We have Zechariah's song where he's praising the Lord. And it's a prophetic thing. And he, he speaks over his son. And this is what he says in verse 77. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And here we see a picture of a savior that isn't that mighty warrior king but a loving and forgiving God which is something to point out as well. Okay, It's something to point out as well. So, we've looked at the passage here, and we see the importance, especially in this time, when we celebrate the birth of Christ, to understand that as bearers of the name of Jesus, we can never afford to give up believing in that name and in the promises that come in that name. How many of you have a hard time, you know, a bad day, and your belief tank kind of goes a little low. It's okay to, <laughs> mine does. Anybody else? All right. We have moments of that, don't we? And then sometimes we, some of us, we've been living in that. We've been living in that. And it's very challenging. And if there's anything that we, we've got to understand is that nothing is going to happen in your life in Christ without believing first. You can't really love the Lord if you don't know the Lord, and you can't know the Lord if you don't believe in the Lord, right? You can't do the things or be the person you want to be in Christ if you don't believe in what he can do and who he is and what he thinks of you and what he wants for you. If we don't believe that, 
we're going to have a hard time. We're going to have a hard time ministering to people. We're going to have a hard time receiving healing from Jesus for deep wounds. We're going to have a hard time fulfilling the call in our lives if we don't understand the concept of believing first. And then believing when the circumstances are against us. Isn't that the most challenging? Let me say this. We cannot afford or allow the circumstances of our reality to affect our belief. We cannot allow ourselves to put Jesus in a box because of our circumstances and say, you can only move in my current reality, in the circumstances. He blows that up, doesn't he? I mean, we see that in this passage alone. The neighbors are in awe because he blew up everything that they knew. And you better believe some believed. And they're asking questions. God's hand is on them. Who is this guy? And he becomes the guy that prepares the way for Jesus. Now, this is easier said than done. Much easier said than done. And I'll share this with you. This is, this is challenging. And I can only do this from my own experience. Because I don't know your experiences. But you can tell me later if you relate to this. I have type 1 diabetes. And I believe that... Um, God has used my current circumstances for his glory and to show me more about himself. But there are moments I've had so many people pray for healing for me over and over and over and over and over. It has not happened. That shakes your belief. Right? When you look at the scriptures and you say, you see the, the, the apostles going out and the disciples and they're I'll be healed in the name of Jesus, and people are getting healed, and you do the same thing, and you don't see it happen. Does that shake your belief? It does, doesn't it? Do I not have enough faith? I, whatever. And it shakes you up. And I started questioning, Lord, I believe you can heal me, but I'm beginning to believe you won't. And for me, that's a hard thing to say. And it's a hard reality. Has anyone had that circumstance in some way, shape, or form? You know he can, but will he? I don't know. And it's something I'm daily having to repent of and daily having to position myself to believe even when I don't see the proof. I need to keep believing because I don't know what his plan is for my life. All I know is that I have to keep being faithful for, with what I got and keep believing and hoping that someday when the time is right, I'll be healed of this. If not, glory be to Jesus. If we look at Paul's life, at the end of his life, he could barely see. But here's a guy that's healing people left and right. How come he's not 20-20? Do you know? I don't know. Did God use him? You bet he did. You wouldn't know about Jesus if it weren't for Paul, because Paul was the first to preach to the Gentiles. And we're all Gentiles, unless you're Jewish. They talk about a thorn in his flesh. Could that be it? Maybe. Is this mine? Maybe. But it cannot, it cannot halt my belief in what Jesus is going to do in me and through me. It can't. Because if it does, I'm sunk. I'm sunk. And I, I remember 2005. I remember this as clearly as anything in my life. I'm struggling with this. Lord, are you going to heal me? It's only been a few years. I, had, I got diabetes in 2001, so it's been about four years and I was at the point where I was tired of it. 
I'm ready to be done with it. I remember I was coaching a wrestling tournament, and I get a phone call from my parents, and they both went to the doctor that day for separate reasons, and come and they call me, and they find out one on the same day my mom was diagnosed with cancer for the second time. My dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's, all in the same day, all in the same time, going, Lord, where are you in my own disease? And boom, most of my family is now has something that could end their lives. Does that shake one's belief? Yes, it does. But we live in a fallen world and stuff happens. Right? It happens. You know, and then I realized, here's a group of people believing for the Messiah to come. For the first time, for the Messiah to come. The Messiah for us has now come. He's here in the midst and he'll return again. Am I living in the now or am I living in the belief that there's more beyond my sickness? That there's more beyond my current circumstances? Jesus will return with power. And that's the hope and the belief I'm going to live in. Because in everything else, it doesn't dictate who I'm putting my trust in. Because I believe something greater than my circumstances. I believe in something greater than myself. That to me is where the power and the authority of the name of Jesus, his presence breaking through into our reality is at its best. We can choose to believe or not. That's up to you and I. But we cannot allow our circumstances our circumstances to dictate if we believe in him or not. Because if we do, we will miss him. There was a moment where Zechariah missed an opportunity. Didn't he? He could have said, all right, let's do this. But he questioned God. And not how he was going to do it, but if he was going to do it. And I don't want to question if God's going to heal me. I don't want to question if God's going to move. I don't want to question if God's going to continue to provide financially for this church body. I don't want to question if God's going to continue to do this or continue to do that. I believe he's going to. I just have to be faithful. You just have to be faithful. Your only responsibility is to believe first. That's it. The rest comes later. You're only one. Jesus comes. The shepherds. The kings, they had one responsibility. Are they going to believe what's in front of them or are they not? And they did. I'll tell you what. I look at my own circumstances and I wouldn't change a thing. Because I've seen God move outside my circumstances. And if I did not have them the way they are, for good or for bad, I would not have been able to engage him in the same way. So I praise the Lord for opportunities to believe in the midst of dire circumstances. And some of you are even more challenging ones than I've ever been in. And so I say to you, don't stop believing. You can't. You can't afford not to because in the belief of Jesus brings hope. And I would rather be an optimist, off the charts optimist, than a realist based on the circumstances of this world. I would rather dream big and have those dreams not happen that live and then live in a place where there's not hope. Oh, imagine living each day feeling like there's no hope. And you may, you may be there, but I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus and in Jesus, there is. 
And if you're daring enough to believe every day, you will see that. You will see him move. One of my biggest pet peeves of the Christmas season is just that. It's the Christmas season, the season for believing. Have you heard that? Have you seen that, like, posted on, I mean, everything, and and we're all guilty of it. I probably had it on my fridge at some point, on some magnet. It's a season for believing. No, every single breath you take is a season for believing. It cannot be limited to one time in your life. It cannot be limited to Sunday mornings. It has got to continue every single day, or you will drown in this life. Every single day, we have to believe. Every single day. And we have to remind each other and encourage one another in that. Because if I don't have encouragement in my life, if I don't have people in my life telling me to keep moving, keep believing, keep trusting, I'm done. I'm done. And we talked about that last week. How many of you had someone in your life that God has placed there, that has breathed new life in you, that helped you keep going and believing? Anybody? Yes. That's... That's body life. Does that make sense? That's church body life is to encourage one another. Because it's going to get, there are going to be times it gets ugly. It gets bad. And we want to give up. I've been there and I hate feeling that way. You feel that with your circumstances. You feel that with your sinful addictions. You feel that way with a lot of different things. But there is hope. That's, That's why we celebrate Well, at least once a year, but we should be celebrating every day for new life in Christ Jesus and the hope that comes in him. Because we're never without it. So it's your decision to take on that, to believe that, to chew on that and allow it to transform you. And it's a process. Scripture tells us that that God is, is transforming us daily with every increasing glory, daily. So it's an it's an ongoing process. So we don't have it all figured out. But your job today when you leave this place is just believe. Just believe. And it's more than just this. It's more just thinking it. It's the full heart, mind, body, spirit experience. You know what I mean by that? Because you can think a lot of things. But if your actions, if your heart doesn't reflect that, that's that's not belief. That's thinking. But we're talking about the whole person, you're in. When I look at my daughter, I don't think I love her. You know, I know I do. I believe I do because I know how it affects me. I see the, I, I, everything, how she can just tick me off one second and then smile and then make me feel bad for being mad at her. Right? You know. You don't just think it. You know it because you feel it. You see it. You hear it. You breathe it. That's true belief that Jesus is going to do something in your life and use you for his glory, and not your own, but for his. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that we have new life in you. We thank you that it's it's that simple. Believe, trust. And so, Lord, some of us are in a place where we need, oh, just a fresh sense a fresh dose of faith. We're in circumstances that are just challenging. But may we be reminded that you are bigger than those circumstances. May we believe 
That in the midst, you're all that matters, that in the midst, your glory will be seen, that in the midst, we will be crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Because we believe in what's beyond just this place. Not just our current circumstances, but we have a hope for eternity in you, and we, we forget that. We forget that you're going to return. We forget, Lord, that we are going to be with you for eternity. That's my hope, Lord, in my current storms. I believe that. And Lord, as we take the offering, as we continue to be challenged to believe that you're going to continue to provide as we give, that we would also symbolically lay at the altar, Lord, those things in our lives that are keeping us from believing that are keeping us from moving forward with you. So we lay those before you in the name of Jesus. So Lord, we pray that you would take our tithes and our offerings and that you would use them for your kingdom, for your glory, investing in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so we praise you and we worship you. And I ask, Lord, that in the remainder of our time together, that we would take advantage of it, that we would worship in spirit and in truth. We would have fun doing it. We would let loose. We wouldn't be afraid to let loose but we would allow your spirit to move in us and through us um, and express our, our love and our gratitude for who you are in our lives. We thank you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We invite you to sit back, to relax, and enjoy a journey through Christmas. Gabriel was sent from God to Nazareth to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named David, a descendant, or or, (laughs) engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Um, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Right then, Gabriel said, Oh, Mary, God's love holds on, holds on. Oh, Mary, God's love holds on, holds on. Mary said to the angel, How will this happen? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will cover you. The Holy Child you give birth to will be called the Son of God. For God can do all things. Now most teenage girls would have freaked out. A baby? But she'd never been with a man. But instead of wigging out, And running away after the things Gabriel had said to her, Mary replied,
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Stand up. Just a small town girl living in a broken world. She took the midnight trail down to Bethlehem. Joseph was a Nazarene, born and raised in Galilee. took the angel's word and he believed. Major in a stinky room, smell of goats and myrrh for the child that would be the light that goes on and on and on and on. Strangers waiting up and down the boulevard. Shepherds watching by night. Starlight, wise men, frankincense and gold. company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, This night love will find you, break those chains that bind you, one night reconciled you, glory in the highest peace on earth, God knows sin has hurt you. True love won't desert you. You know God still loves you. Glory in the highest peace on earth. And the shepherds came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Mary and Joseph might have said... Living without 
you. Jesus, you're here. Heaven no longer your home. But now in this world, turn night into day. I need you to was changed. Jesus Christ came as Emmanuel, which is to say, God with us. Let us never stop believing in the hope we all have in Christ. Come on, sing it with us. Don't stop believing. Hold on to the Keep it going. Now you have to tell me, you didn't come to church expecting to hear a journey medley, did you? Those lyrics are pretty cool, too. I love those. That's awesome.